is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. He shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. Gutterball. Hey, it's uh, it's bright outside. It is. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole different vibe. It's exceptionally bright. Um, although I'm in my little basement studio, I can't really see. Unfortunately, I'm missing out on all the brightness. But that's okay. That's a sacrifice for the art. I'm willing to do that. And you know it's out there. So. Yeah, I know. It's actually like like breaking forty degrees today, I believe. Ooh, we we're almost like, up to fifty. That's pretty. Wow, cool. that's pretty nice. Yeah, I can't even imagine that temperature at this no. point. No, we're well, just, soon yeah. you'll soon you'll be experiencing that. Yeah, well, well and true. much more. True. Very soon, I'll be down in the wonderful, warm Austin, one the, of my absolute favorite places to go visit, the Lone Star State. Yes. I've never been in any other portion of the state but Austin, at least so far. It probably skews <laughs> your perception of that state. True. I understand that I'm in a, yeah, that's that's not a representative sample. Right. But uh, it's a cool place. How long are you going to be there? Almost the whole week, really. I'm going down for good old uh, South by mm-hmm. South mm-hmm. by Southwest Interactive. So it'll be fun. It's always a fun time. Catch up with some peeps, right? Right. Uh, connect with some exciting new brands, <laughs> and uh, go from there. Develop some synergy. Exactly. Have a thirty thousand foot view of some high level discussions you got it you're gonna take some uh cards with you again <laughs> uh yeah definitely i mean you definitely. only handed out one last time so uh, yeah well we'll see it's you know i think my uh i have a, I have a good feeling about this time <laughs> okay i think i might triple that all right make that the goal yeah tripled our outreach at south by you know, we didn't plan for it again. We could have had, you know, these Busby Berkeley women with the giant uh, bowling pin headdresses handing yeah. them out. Yeah. If only we had the the capital for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to uh, spend money to make money. So maybe that's part of our problem. We needed we need to do a media blitz. We got to flood the zone. We need a presence at South by. Yeah, somebody there's probably seen the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some Lebowski stuff. Well, I remember when I was there uh, a couple years ago, they were I don't know if it was one year or two years, but they were unveiling the uh Milius documentary there at the, oh. the film festival. Oh wow. And that was actually the first time I had heard of it at that time, but I saw the the giant poster for it hanging there. I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Hmm. That'd be worth or checking out. You mean you just out, never probably. saw that it existed, or do you mean you never seen the documentary? I think both of those are true. Okay. I don't know if you mentioned that to me before. Yeah, I Maybe did. I did. sent you. I sent you. I took a snap of it on my phone and okay. messaged it to you, and you're like, "Wow," or something to that effect. Or you like sent me back an emoticon of a uh, flexing bicep and a shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually you didn't do that. No. Because that's what I do. Right. I'm just projecting myself onto you there. That's yeah. my typical response to about 20% of the messages I get. The flexing bicep and the shrimp. The and shrimp tempura. What's that supposed to convey? I don't know. Just like, mm, I'm with yeah. you, brother. Yeah. I'm flexing and get some tempura shrimp. Interesting choice. Well... You know, like I've been fucking with the AI recently. Yes, I've seen that. And you, you saw my little AI. Well, you may not have realized what it was, the Deep Space Nine. I mean, what? where did the text come from? So this is from, so there's a Tumblr that I follow that's awesome, which has a uh, 
they just take screen grabs of Deep Space Nine on YouTube. I guess Deep Space Nine like is available in its entirety in YouTube. Okay. Um, the way YouTube has like legitimate content sometimes. They have right. like, some content deals for that. But it has the auto captioning. Okay. So YouTube does that auto or perhaps since it's auto captioning, maybe it's not legit content. Maybe it's just people uploading crap. I don't know where they get this from, but it's whatever um Deep Space Nine captions that are like hilarious because the YouTube auto captioning is just off the mark <laughs> in insane ways. So, so that that was legitimate captioning for uh, that scene? So, supposedly. I mean, that was legitimate YouTube captioning, yeah. <laughs> it's a picture of Miles O'Brien, and it says, what we should be doing there, she was in the Clinton Star Wars concert. She was. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's not too bad. It's is, like Sioux City Sarsaparilla. Is that Chevy Chase Brad? Is what Chevy Chase? Did you send me a picture of Chevy Chase getting a horrible suntan? Or is it just somebody who mildly looks like Chevy Chase? It's just someone that mildly looks like him. Okay. I never would have... Now that you say it, I guess I can kind of see it. He has the physique of Chevy Chase. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he's in a situation that you could imagine Chevy Chase getting himself into. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's just some random guy. It's just some avant-garde, the work of some avant-garde photographer. I don't know what corners of the internet you find yourself in, but I'm into it. Yeah, I try to travel to all four corners. (laughs) I love Boutros, Boutros, Gali, Boutros, Gali. I've heard that. I've heard that. Well, you don't want to make it too easy for them, Brad. Although, maybe it's too late. Maybe it already happened. That the uh, AI has determined everything? Yeah, it's it's already taken over, perhaps. I think um, long before there was even computers, the AI had in some way taken over. Hmm. I mean, maybe not AI per se, but I think the fact that there, again, and we've talked about this before, there's, there's that emergent order. I'm just going to go back to that. The fact that... Um, they move like there's a there's a system in place that like men can't really control can, yeah or change even or change just like a system of of control and greed and the attempt to impose order and it comes in waves up and down but it's just a, a thing like even you know the most powerful men in the world like they can't change it they're just if anything they're even more slaves to the system than anyone else right yeah. Hmm. So. I don't have too much to add to that. Yandu Udanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, I'll add that. Is that before. who uh, O'Brien's talking to? No. That <laughs> Yandu Udanta. So, um, my kids have... Uh, have are going in a you know things go in up and down in waves, but right now they're in a, a high point with Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, and that was just on upstairs before I came down here to record, so it's kind of seeped into my mind. Which Yandu one? Odanta is the uh, which one the was bl- that? The blue guy that whistles and controls the arrow with his whistling. Oh, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. Played Merle. by Michael Rooker Merle from right. Yeah, it's good to see that actor like playing against type in this movie. I know, I know, I liked <laughs> it. Sheesh. He was pretty good. Um, I don't know about that whole arrow deal, but I don't know. I mean, that's his big thing. He's got an arrow that he can control by whistling. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, that's just something they made for the movie, but that's like his. I'm, I dig it, right? Because it's like, okay, we want to create something kind of fantastical. Something imaginative. Like, all right, it's this, like, arrow that he controls by whistling. Why not? (laughs) I mean, sure, why not? You know, that movie can get away with it, I guess, because that's just how... I mean, it's got a talking raccoon, for God's sakes. Yeah. And And a talking raccoon that totally works. Yeah, it worked. Totally works. Didn't see how that was going to work, but it did. Yeah, kudos to that movie. Yep. Very successful film, I feel. Yep. And I don't just mean financial, I just mean artistically as well. Good film. Yep, it, uh, all of that craziness and nonsense worked. 
Like it, it was part yeah. of a uh, cohesive vision. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it was kind of risky. That's what that's what a lot of people were saying. But yeah, and I think it was somewhat, and it worked out. Yeah, who directed that? I don't even know. James Gunn. James Gunn, huh? Yeah. Who I doubt. I'm trying to remember what else he's done, but I know he's done things that we've seen. Hmm. Oh, look at that. He did the original Scooby-Doo movie, which is another movie that is still played um, hardcore in this house. Scooby-Doo? The 2002 live action version. Okay. I don't remember that being so great. It was not good at all. It was actually horrible. I think it was bad in a, in a lot of different ways. But uh, for whatever reason, it's played a lot in my house recently, <laughs> as well as there's like a music video land of confusion, 10,000 drummers or something like that. Some weird thing. It's not land of a million dances or a thousand dances or whatever that was made famous in that. Uh, well, it wasn't made famous, but it was. Growing up, there, that song was re-released as part of that John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, uh, The Great Outdoors right. movie. But this is, uh, yeah, something else. Land of uh, something. Land of some amount of drums or drummers. <laughs> Land of a million drums. Have you found it? You've settled on, on I just, that I now? just Googled it's Land of a Million Drums. Yes. That video is also watched a lot in this house for some reason. Like, it's weird. It's an O2 movie. But it's it's kind of like consigned for most people to the, the cultural dustbin. Right. Just a, a mere curiosity, a footnote. Yet it gets a lot of play in this house. On YouTube or something? Um, well, it was originally on... Well, it's gone through a lot of things. So this is something that, like... Again, it ebbs and flows, and it has for the last, um, you know, however long this has been, like eight years. It originally was something actually rented at a video store, um, and it was typically rented. So we had we used to live in Belfont, and they had Mike's Video there, which has since closed. But you could go there and like rent a movie. I forget what for like nothing, like a dollar fifty cents, forty nine like cents, that. and. My, uh, you know, so my, and, you know, even though we had Netflix and everything else, the kids would love to go there because they could like look at the shelves and see everything physically and look at the, you know what I mean? It's like, you can pick whatever movie you want. Right. They loved it. So we'd go there all the time. It was like their favorite thing to do. Can we go pick a movie? <laughs> so we do that. And Scooby-Doo, I believe that was like, it was, that's where it's first started. Like it got picked there and it was watched a lot. And then, um... Then, you know, it was like, okay, watching clips on YouTube. And then again, because of all the clips on YouTube, I think um, uh, we now own the DVD in this house. How does that relate to Land of a Million Drums again? Land of a Million Drums is from the Scooby-Doo movie. It's like a Scooby-Doo soundtrack. If you watch the music video, you'll see like Shaggy and Velma and everyone in there like getting down, like rapping with the rappers or whatever. See, I thought you were saying you would go to Mike's video and rent the music video for land of a million (laughs) drums. I was trying to, trying to parse that one. Yeah. It's like, all right, here's tonight's entertainment. Bring home the VHS three minutes later. (laughs) That was awesome. That was awesome. (laughs) Going to watch it again. It was just the right (laughs) level for the attention span, right? (laughs) We rented a movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if my daughter has any recolle- recollection of being in a video rental establishment. Yeah. Probably it's, not. Yep. Hmm. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and like if you don't if you know, Netflix doesn't actually have any movies. Amazon Prime has a couple movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, HBO Go has a couple. Right. But, you know, it, we talked about this a year or two ago, but uh, Leslie was doing some kind of project and she needed to watch the movie Tootsie. And, you know, it's not on Netflix. 
So how do you watch it? Rent it from iTunes? Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure if it was on. Maybe it wasn't on iTunes. Yeah, like that movie might not even be on there. I don't know. But it was, I remember we were looking around for it everywhere, trying to find it. You could it's find it in like it's like it's like uh you could get the DVD from Walmart for two ninety nine. It's one of the platinum classics. Right. Is, this is a crapshoot. Is it there in that big bin? Right. And you have to like that you big know, cardboard bin. You have to like sort, sort through, through it. it. Yep. Here it is. They're all just piled in there. They're not well, even like yeah. stacked nicely. They just dump right. them in. We cannot be bothered to actually sort these. It's like it's like just raw DVD. Mm hmm. <laughs> like, like it's not worth the money that we would put in to actually sort these or put them on a shelf or alphabetize them so you could see what's there. It's just like you go sort through it, find what you can, like panning for gold. Right. What's in here? We don't know. You're on your own. But it's only like four bucks for a for a whole disc. So go for it. Yeah, right. Right. And it's always like the second tier packaging. You know, there's not yeah. like a nice insert inside. Right. It's just like one single piece of paper. Yes, exactly. It's like, we just need to move these damn widgets. Or a lot of them will be like, there'll be four movies on one disc. It'll right. be like horror classics. And it'll be four movies you've never heard of. <laughs> it's all on one DVD. Four movies, right? <laughs> Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. <laughs> you know? Marty's Lament. <laughs> Marty's Lament? <laughs> no, it's like... All right, you know, they came to eat the dead and, you know, Dr. Witchcraft. There it is. Four movies. They're classics. I'm not even going to try to compete with that. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. Dr. Witchcraft. Marty's Lament. <laughs> Seriously, Marty's Lament. <laughs> Marty's Lament. I mean, you'd love if you came and gave him notes. <laughs> Marty's Lament, Peter Peter, Pumpkin Eater. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? There's one more. Dr. Witchcraft. Oh, they came they to, came eat, to the eat the dead. The dead. <laughs> I feel like that might actually be a movie. Could be. Could have seeped in. Like Peter Peter, Pumpkin Eater is like Pumpkinhead. Isn't that a horror movie? That sounds familiar, yeah. The first time you told me about... Um, eraser head. I thought I was picturing in my mind pumpkin head, and I'm like, this okay. doesn't sound like pumpkin head. I mean, I not that I ever saw pumpkin head, but right. that's what I figured eraser head was. Okay, and then so you mean like specifically that movie? Or specifically you just mean that movie, like that? No, specifically like a, that movie, pumpkin like head. a critters two grade film. Right, right. So first time I watched eraser head, I was duly surprised not quite what you expected not quite what i expected at all and i thought you were messing with me because i was like well what's it about and you're like it's a about a guy who whose head gets made into erasers <laughs> <laughs> like you're full of shit i guess on some level it is about that well that happens in the one dream sequence right like they're like extracting the pieces out of his like head or whatever. And mm -hmm. it's, that's going onto little eraser types. Counter Paul, which speaking of dream sequences, it's here, nice, you know, we have quite nice. a dream sequence here in this minute. Continuing. Well, do you want to play the minute? Let's do it. Let's play it up and start talking some, uh, Lebowski. All right, let's do it. Beep boop. Just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Hold on. 
All right, bringing it on back. All right, let's bring it back. We're back. Here we are. Petey's back. What's that from? I, I don't have an answer to that one. Petey's back. I feel like that's something David Lynchian. I got five guys down here. Okay. If, if no. you can get <laughs> yep, that, that price from two of them, you can ask the other three. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Pryor. Yes. Richard Pryor in uh, Lost Highway. Yep. Have not seen that in so long. It's been a while. Remember that time we were going to watch it? It was at my house at Belfont. It was you and your brother, and I got the DVD from Netflix. I was like, oh, yeah, let's watch this again. But we put it in, and it was like a four to three aspect ratio oh, Canon scan. Yes, and it was like in like some horrible like s like low quality. It just looked like mm. a, like a bad VHS transfer. Oh, and we were just like anger. All right, like yeah. After like two minutes, we were like, you know, I don't really, we don't really want to watch this anymore. No, not worth it. Yeah, it's it was doing the film a disservice. Yeah, how how does so, anyone get away with that? Horrible to think that they put movies out like that. Yeah, I mean, how to? Again, that's like one of those bargain bins that they're sifting through, and they, you know, have a thousand copies of it. They right. have to do something. It's like you know, master of master of surreal postmodern suspense, David Lynch. See all his greats <laughs> now in glorious four three. Yes. Standard definition. Lost Highway. But see, someone else will see that, right? It'll be like, they'll have like an anchor movie, maybe. See, some of those don't even have it. Sometimes there's like an anchor movie. There's like one movie. They're like, oh, yes, that's an actual known movie people might want to watch. And then they bundle it with three other movies. Right. That have just ne- that never saw the light of day otherwise, probably. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, yes, come see... And again, it's like the anchor movie isn't even like it's not like a blockbuster. It's just something that maybe you've heard of, right? Yeah, it'd be like Robert Redford's least popular movie from nineteen eighty six or something. Right. Yes, exactly. And exactly. then they put, you know, Pumpkinhead three with it. Whatever the F. Straight to D V D classics. Yeah. So this could be like, you know, oh, Academy Award winning film The Elephant Man. Right. And then bundle it with a racer head. Which, you know, for us, we're all into that. We like a racer head more. Yeah. Yes. Maybe there's other people out there that are like, Wow, look, Punkin Head Three, this is awesome. This stupid Paul Newman movies with it. Though So Lost Highway was Richard Pryor's last movie. He made one more appearance on a television show called Norm in nineteen ninety nine. Ah, Norm. Is that Norm MacDonald? That was Norm MacDonald, yes. Which I think that might have been... Norm MacDonald had a couple things. That might have been his talk show, maybe? Hmm. He had like a, 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 a syndicated late-night talk show. Those were really popular in the 90s. And even early 2000s. The syndicated late-night talk show. It seems to be something that kind of has gone by the wayside. What, what's another completely. one? Um, well, big ones, right? Arsenio. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, he would, uh, slap his finger, you know, I can do that. Woo, 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 woo. Right? Right. Arsenio Hall. Dana Carvey had one. Did he? He did. That was supposedly good. I'd never seen it. I heard lots of people talk about it because I guess he really pushed the boundaries of like obscenity and just like complete, like horrible, like you can't, oh, you can't believe he went there, but he did. Tom Green style. Yeah, maybe. I think it was more, yeah, kind of. It was just more like, yeah, just really blunt, like, I don't know, like the truth about celebrities kind of a thing. <laughs> Like, you know, like if it was being made today, like, I don't even remember what was the celebrity issues, right? It was today. It would just be like, oh, yeah, here's a skit where like Bill Cosby is just like openly drugging and raping everything he sees kind of a deal, you know? <laughs> Jesus. 
Ugh. Yeah, they, those aren't around so much anymore. I got caught in a key and peel loop the other day, though. Oh, it's so easy to get caught oh, in a key goodness. and peel loop. And I love how they beg you to actually watch the show at the end of all the videos now. <laughs> right. Because, again, I've never seen the show. I've Neither. never watched it. I only watch it on YouTube. That's it. It is, it is the conundrum of the Comedy Central sketch show. Yep. Yeah, I once got I got stuck in a uh, Amy Schumer loop the other day. Who's Amy Schumer? She has another sketch comedy show on Comedy Central, hmm. and I forget. I I don't know. It might just be called. I forget if it has a name other than just Amy Schumer. But she's the comedian in it. But you know, again, good stuff. And I just got caught in a loop, and probably in the course of an hour or two, watched like. The, you know, probably the top 80% of all the sketches done on that show. That's like, all right, I'm done. You've arrived at the I've end. Arrived. It sucks for her, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I wonder. There's no free money in her pocket. But, I mean, they get they get the eyeballs. They get views on YouTube. So, does it matter? I mean, I guess it matters. Because then... The advertisers on Comedy Central aren't getting there. Well, I guess the idea is hopefully creating that foundation. People will actually tune into the show. Or, you know, again, if you watch the clips on Comedy Central's website, they they might get a bigger bang for their buck there, actually. Whereas on YouTube, I mean, again, Comedy Central could have a very special deal with, with Google on the YouTube ad splits. I don't really know. But as a regular old partner... I mean, we've talked about this before, and again, the advertising rates is key. It's not just a flat rate, right? It's very tricky to not, like, depending on the demographic of who's watching your show and what kind of content, you know, related ads you can put on there have all different values. But what I've heard is a, a, a general rule of thumb is $1,000 per million views, hmm. which isn't a whole lot. That's not a whole lot. <laughs> takes a while to get to a million yeah. views. Hmm. I mean, we would have to keep doing this podcast for the next... <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do that math. Yeah, 80 years? Me, I was going to say something like that, but probably longer. I don't think it's quite that long. But Thank- was, I think 80 years is good. I'll tell you what, after 80 years, we get our check for $1,000, maybe. <laughs> be time for it. a celebration, man. It will be. Oh, so, uh, James Gunn, by the way, directed the segment Beazle in movie 43. So, okay. Beazle the cat. Yeah, I haven't seen movie 43. I was going to say yet, but I don't know if I'll ever see it. Probably don't need to. Probably don't need to. But that was his other claim to fame. Just thought I'd mention it. So how about that uh, Busby Berkeley guy? And again, never heard of that person before um, starting this podcast. I'm a little embarrassed about that. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the name. I don't think I ever really... I mean, I, I knew it was associated with, like, big kind of, like, musical numbers. I never really... And I, and I I guess I never really connected him to that very specific type, which I think I was also aware of, of like all the showgirls making weird geometric patterns and doing mm-hmm. what looks like synchronized swimming and stuff. Right. But, you know, so so in preparation for this, looking at this um, this dance number here in this dream sequence, which is, you know, a total uh, Busby Berkeley uh, reference. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking at some of his stuff on YouTube and reading about it. like it's insane. It's the insane. Stuff he did. Insane. And I don't, I'm not sure. And I was also trying to search like where did he get this idea from? Like did other people do this before him and he was just good at it? Or was this his own idea? And as far as I can tell, I can't find any references really definitively one way or another. But it seems like this was just like his idea. He was like, OK, let's get 100, 150 women to all move in this incredibly synchronized pattern and make these incredibly intricate, almost fractal like shapes that just kind of shimmer and move as they all, you know, are painstakingly choreographed. It's insane. It's, it's really insane. I was going to mention the fractal like nature of some of his stuff to repeating patterns and kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I have not, I mean like this is, 
Um, I don't know. It's it just seems like something like so like it's almost like a quantum leap creatively. Right. Right. I'm not sure. He just jumped into this thing. He created this thing that seems again to me and maybe going back to the 1920s and 30s. It's like, oh, yeah, like but removed from it and just seeing it now. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. And he just kind of came up with this idea, like, okay, we're filming things. We're going to do these, these elaborate spectacles, almost like, like, it's almost like psychedelic. Yeah. Um, the, the closest thing I could find about like an influencer or something is on YouTube. It says he spent time in the army and watching the synchronized like troop movements and marching might have like inspired his, um, you know, inspired this choreography is the only thing I could find in terms of like where this came from. Are his movies like, do they have stories and then they break into dance numbers or is the whole thing just on and on elaborate choreographed dancing? No, there'll be a number in the movie. So it'll be like, it'll be like a typical musical, right? So there'll be a story. There'll be lots of songs and dance numbers, but there'll be, um, you know, again, in a Busby Berkeley film, there will be these really elaborate geometrical kind of dance numbers in them. Um, but he's also directed, because I was, again, looking at stuff like some things that are just more like straight up musicals that don't have the crazy showgirls in them, mm-hmm. as well as apparently he, as musicals waned in popularity, he just went to being a straight up director and just directing films that weren't musicals or choreograph at all. And he would also be brought into some movies. He wouldn't direct them, but he would be brought in just to do just to direct and choreograph like a big Busby Berkeley esque like number for like the end or something like that. And as far as you can tell, he kind of created this, if you want to call it a not a genre, but I mean, I'm not really comfortable saying that like definitively, but I can't find any. I was I was trying, I was searching, I was reading up on it to find anything that was also like him or like what did he build upon and I can't find any reference to anything like that. So I mean I'm there's going to say cuz I like the story. Yeah, this was just his own like kind of brain explosion. It's like, you know, Picasso and cubism or something. Even though I don't really understand the references that may have led to that. So it might even be you know, more of a leap than that. It's just like, yes. Here's like a completely new, and again, maybe it has to do with the film being a new medium. You know, it's 1920s, 1930s. It's like, okay, what do we do with this? Right. And he has this idea. Hmm. But it was before the form was so locked into this more narrative structure, right? It was more like, oh, we could do these elaborate patterns undulating on the screen, choreographed to music. Created out of human beings. Yeah. You still haven't read that book that we both ordered, have you? No. There's a pretty decently long section in that book about this dream sequence. And it was a hell of a lot of work. Um, Just the choreography, the costumes, some of Mm -hmm. Mary Zoffrey's finest work on Mm -hmm. display. And, you know, watching this... It's fine. I think we've mentioned before, you know, the dream sequences aren't really... Some people are just, like, really into them. It's their favorite part. And that's kind of like, I enjoy them, but if they weren't in this movie, it would still be fine. I'd be okay with that. This must be Berkeley-inspired, choreographed dancing that these people are doing really isn't even that good compared to actual busby burke oh, stuff no. it's like and it's it, not very good and it's way scaled down because there's way like how many like down. 20 dancers maybe 20 or 30 have like 100 in some cases 150 i don't know how many yeah just tremendous amounts tremendous and like enormous stages and sets like there was one i saw a little clip of one where it's pianos i don't know dozens scores maybe a hundred like pianos Imagine the size of a set you need to have a hundred pianos, people playing them and then right. swirling dancers around and the, you know, the overhead shots and the crane shots. It's just, it is a spectacle. 
And this gutterball sequence doesn't even touch it. Even like the dancers aren't quite in sync as nicely as they should be. Right. I don't know. No, not exactly. I mean, right. I'm giving it, I, mean, I don't mean to give it shit. It's just like, I guess, pointing out how hard it is to do something. Right. Like yeah. This. And how amazing. Well, several things. Right. So, again, pointing out just how elaborate the Busby Berkeley films were. But then also, um, you know, I think it's interesting that, again, like you said, this is just a dream sequence. Right. Yet the amount of work that went into just doing this part. Mm. You know, just for this one dream sequence. And it's not even that long. I no, really like expected it. It's long. Yeah, because, and not all of it is the synchronized dancing. Right, either. yeah, there's not that many. There's just a couple shots of the synchronized dancing. But so much work went into that. Yeah. Well, and they do have the one overhead shot that's in this minute where there's like two concentric circles. Yeah, I think that was like, their money shot for yeah, this Yeah, that was their sequence. money shot. And they were going, um, yeah, one's going like clockwise, the other's going counterclockwise, and they're kind of bowing their heads in and back, like right. in an opposite, uh, right. opposite motion as the camera is looking directly down at them. But again, and it only lasts for a couple seconds, maybe five, six, I don't know. But it's a, uh, again, it has that hypnotic geometrical quality to it, though. Right. Yeah, you, and that's, that's the money shot. You're that's right. the money shot. And... Even so, like, all of their heads aren't perfectly in sync. There's mm-hmm. a little, like, it's a little loosey-goosey, which I'm not yeah. sure if... I mean, it's close enough for a dream, dream sequence in a Coen Brothers movie. Right. I, it I wasn't guess it was close, close enough, enough for, like, a 1930s, like, this is what people were coming to see right, right. type thing. Or, you know, again, having someone, like, again, I don't know Berkeley that, that much about him, but I'm imagining he has some level of, like obsessive compulsive like hitchcockian type of like attention to detail going on there to create these things the way he does madness madness i tell you this uh so i've never used this feature in itunes so i I watched this in itunes but there's a little i mean i guess i knew it was there there's a little uh button you can press that shows you all the chapters, and you can just advance right to the beginning of, of mm-hmm. the chapter. Mm-hmm. This chapter is chapter 17, and do you know what it's called? The Gutter Balls. The Gutter Balls. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, like the Superman. Right. The Gutter Balls. Or are or, or these, is this dance troupe known as the Gutter Balls? The Dude and the Gutter Balls. Yeah. One <laughs> night only. Come see the... F- Maude Lebowski and the Magnificent Gutterballs. <laughs> and her Magnificent Gutterballs, yeah. Yeah, kind of a kind of a weird one. That was just somebody like, you know, I don't know, some yeah. intern or slightly above level person who made that decision. Right. right you got to go balls. put the chapters in. All right, the Gutterballs, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably different. On the DVD or the Blu-ray, I haven't checked, but I can't imagine it's called the Gutter Balls. On the I don't know, it might DVD. be. I don't know. I mean, that information is just probably like copy and pasted hmm. from where though. Somebody from some has source. to create it. Like originally. they have some master file in some format sitting at uh, you know the um, in the studio like system. That's like okay, here's like the uncompressed digital video file that we captured from the film broken into chapters with like the name of the chapters or whatever. And they just Mm. send that out to all these different places and maybe like, you know, just adjust the format accordingly to like wherever they go to make the Blu-ray, send it to iTunes, send it to Amazon. What do I really know? It's mystifying. There's no way to be sure what goes on. Yeah. But they do have, um, I mean, I do know these studios, have an interface like into iTunes hmm. where they can go in there, they can upload the movie, they can type in all the stuff that goes with it. And then like, you know, again, it's just like a web form, right? Right. I, I've seen this before. Um, like I've seen it online. People have talked about it. Yeah. It's just like this, like kind of, you know, regular old janky web form and like, okay, I work for universal studios. I go in and like upload the six gigabyte, file for Lebowski and type in right. the description and hit submit and then poop, it's in the store. 
I guess what I was getting at is the Coen brothers didn't have any involvement in what the chapter titles were going to be, you know? Yeah, I doubt it. They don't get that granular into, you know, the minutia of creating. No, that's all after. That's all after market stuff. There's a, a chapter titler technician. Right. That just does that. It's not supervised by the, by the auteurs. Right. Right. So things like the gutter balls, happen sometimes right, right i almost i don't i kind of love it we, we should have called this podcast the gutter balls the gutter now. balls yep hindsight brad hindsight I, yeah i know it took us this long to get there and realize that though don't cover <sighs> that fact so they had a problem with the stars in the background because they're out in like a spacey environment here right it's just kind of like a checkerboard floor that's suspended in outer space I did I send you that I don't remember if we talked about that the what I don't remember what the cartoon is it's not Bugs Bunny it's that weird alien man and he runs around on the tracks like out in space I think I know what you mean like the Martian yeah the Martian the guy big hairy guy yes I don't like that big hairy guy yeah um, but this kind of this environment kind of reminds me of that yeah I I could see that but anyway, these stars in the background, they were having trouble seeing them. I guess, I don't know if it was some sort of fabric and they had stars painted on there. But they had to, now I'm going to get it wrong probably, but I they had to hang, I don't know if they were lights or reflective like circles. Mm-hmm. So if you look and you can see it at 8202. Some of the stars, especially on the right, and we're looking at the dude on the giant stairway into infinity. Mm -hmm. Some of the stars on the right in the background, you can see them kind of swinging around. Hmm. I don't know if there's an air handler going or something, because it probably was hot in there. And since they didn't need any sound, maybe they had some, I don't know, fans going to keep things cool. Yeah, I don't necessarily see them swinging like back and forth, but they're like kind of blinking in and out of existence that's what i'm seeing maybe you're looking at something different than me it's almost like imagine if it was on a string so imagine if you did put a little like piece of reflective plastic or something on a on a piece of string that was maybe hung from the ceiling to the floor so it's tight so it can't move but then it could spin on that axis right right and vibrate back and forth a little bit there's yeah, one in bit, particular yeah. I can see that, yeah, they're not swinging wildly back and forth, but they are kind of moving, and yeah. yeah, spinning around possibly, yeah. which like and when it's edge the, on, it's invisible. Exactly. So it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, uh, it's, yeah, it's just kind of like sparkling in and out of existence. Which actually rapidly. is a neat effect. Yeah, it's not Makes bad. it kind of shimmer. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. know if that movement mm-hmm. and spinning was necessarily intentional. Maybe it was. Oh, I see some of them moving now. On the right-hand side there. Yeah, this time I saw them. Yeah, some of them are moving around. Yeah, some of them are moving around wildly, actually. Like, like I saw one of them that moved pretty far. But again, I don't think it's necessarily a bad effect. No, it works. But some of them are kind of rock solid, and I think that may have been the like some of the bigger painted-on blotches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's cool. It makes it have a sort of shimmery effect. Um, and this checkered, the stairs are black and white checkered, and the floor is black and white checkered. Yes. Like tiles. We have, and, you know, this these things get into the dude's subconscious, and then they, you know, re-manifest themselves later on. This mm-hmm. is the same floor that's in the titular Lebowski's okay. hallway. Okay. I was, when I was watching this before we started recording, I was like, I bet that floor is from somewhere, but yeah. I don't know where I'd have to go back and search the movie. But then just now I was like, I, yeah, I Four- see it. 1456. I can see it. Yep. The same floor as the, yep. the hallway. There it is. So, you know, all of this stuff I was, and I was trying to find, cause there's probably a motivation for pretty much everything in this scene. Um, obviously, the dude is reprising Carl Hungus's role in log jamming. Yes. As the he's, cable repairman. He's there to fix the cable. Right. Dinah Cobble. 
<laughs> they call me a guy, Max, but um, 82-18, the dude thrusts the bowling ball up into the air. That is reminiscent of the Jesus thrusting his finger up into oh, the yeah, air. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. It's a little throwback. I didn't get that, but yeah, you're totally right. And how about this? The, um, the ball that the dude is using there? Mm-hmm. You can see that same bowling ball at 1842 in the background of the uh, bowling alley. I believe it is when... Uh, I have to check. I think, is it when he's uh, shoving the gun in Smokey's face? Yeah, the Smokey scene. So in the background, when Walter sits down after uh, Smokey marks at zero, you can see that ball in the rack behind it. And if it's not the same exact ball, it looks pretty damn similar. So it's just sitting out there on the rack. It's just sitting out there on the rack. So how did you discover that? Did you rewatch the whole movie looking for any uh, black and red bowling ball that might be this one? I didn't rewatch the whole movie, but I watched all of the bowling Bowling alley scenes. scenes. I just knew like that ball didn't just show up out of nowhere. Right. There had to be a motivation for it. So there you go. Well, I commend your, your work there. Thank you. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, that's very, very cool. There's also, this is a pretty sexually charged sequence in general. You know, you have the scantily clad women. You've got uh, Maud with her trident. Mm-hmm. You've got, right at 8226, a very suggestive foreshadowing uh, finger hole insertion. Yes. The dude comes up behind well, Maud. Well, even takes before her hand. That, yeah, the dude. Yeah, before that, the dude. The way he comes up, he moves his arm, his hand down her right, arm, right, centrally, caressing sensually her, caressing her, and then takes her hand and leads it to the ball. And the fingers go in the holes, and then the undulation as right. they swing the ball back and forth as he's gripping her body, which is the closest the dude actually ever comes to bowling in this movie, because. Now, Maud, I guess, has her fingers in the holes, but he's helping her, and they do actually throw the ball ostensibly down the lane. Yes. So the the going knowledge is that the dude never bowls in this movie, but you could make a case that maybe he does right there. Right. That's the closest he does get to it. As a, a, Together, working together, at least he guides her arm as she... Uh, yeah, she releases the ball. And that ball must be really light. Right. It always makes me swinging that around. Yeah. Makes me so uncomfortable for Julianne Moore if that was a actual bowling ball. Yeah, it's just some prop ball that weighs nothing. It's like plastic hollow completely. Like that has has to be be what it is. Because otherwise her shoulder would be out of its socket. Um, Also... Getting back to, you know, the dude and Maud and their uh, little sensual back and forth that they're doing here. I mentioned that it was foreshadowing because obviously later on, spoiler alert, they do get together sexually, romantically. Yes. So. Yes. And in, and same in the previous dream sequence. Right. there was a... Uh, you know, we we went over. This is when Simon was our guest. Right? Did we? He and he was very uh, astute to observe all of the uh, the the kind of I don't know. Yeah, the the various double entendre and the imagery right. throughout that scene. That, Innuendos like, even went that even went like beyond what we were able to. Although I think you, determine. I think you discovered the actual like payoff shot where the. The ejaculatory, pin, the ejaculatory moment, moment. As, as Simon put it. That's that's the technical term. <laughs> the preferred the nomenclature. Gotcha. In film studies. The Where ej- is the ejaculatory moment? <laughs> oh, everybody loves a good ejaculatory moment. Some of the lyrics in this song, this Kenny Rogers classic, as the dude starts to travel down the lane between the legs of all the dancers... And he's spinning around to look up their dresses, which they 
I don't know if we got this far last time. It was a mess last time. But again, this is in our textbook that you haven't read. His family came that day and it was a terrible mistake because he's like, why did I choose this day? This is horrible. And looking up women's skirts and his kids were there, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, this was not a good idea. But I think they helped the uh, girls play a prank on him where they put giant hairy bushes in all of their underwear. So as he went and looked up their skirts, it was just huge fake bushes. (laughs) And he, uh, he kind of lost it, but he thought it was pretty hilarious. um, Yeah. Our, our friend, uh, Reno speed traps. Yes. Send us the link to that, a link to an article discussing that a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, and, uh, it was well-timed. It was well-timed because here we were, but it was also kind of bizarre because there's like a typo in it where it refers to the women's, um, oh, they fixed it. I'm looking at it now. They, they corrected it. Yeah. What was twice? It said public hair. Yes. Public hair. It said, was shocked to see that every single one of the women had an excess of public hair. In fact, forests of public hair just spilling out from under their panties is what it originally read. But I'm looking, I just, I went back through Twitter and found the link and clicked on it and they, they fixed the spelling. Now it does say pubic hair. Forests of public hair. Yes. Well, do you remember in like uh, elementary school learning about the Punic Wars? What? The Punic Wars. No. Yeah, the Punic Wars. What's and that? that was always a you know, you could always play a joke. Pubic by by, you know, you know, you're you're in history class, social studies, whatever you call it, in like fifth grade, fourth grade, and um, you know, say like, Oh, the pubic wars. And just play dumb, like you don't even know the word pubic is a bad word. You're just saying the <laughs> word wrong. I remember kids doing that. I mean, you got to take the opportunities when they present themselves. Right. I've never heard of the Punic Wars. The Punic Wars were a series of three wars fought Fought between between Rome and Carthage Carthage. from 264 BC to 146 BC. I'm just guessing. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. (laughs) Hey, we made it pretty far before we uh, simultaneously started Wikipediaing shit. Well, I did look up James Gunn earlier. That's so true. It's probably too late. But, you know, thanks, Reno Speed Traps. Give him another shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping us keeping us legit. So a lyric, though, in this song, as the dude's going down the down the lane and looking up the skirts, Kenny Rogers says eight miles out of Memphis and I got no spare. Hmm. Um. Just a funny coincidence, like a I spare suppose. Ball, you mean right. bowling? Not a spare ball, but a you bowl a spare. Right, you get a spare. You get ten ten pins down in uh, two attempts. So I have a question for you. While okay. he's spinning, he's going down this lane and rotating. Oh boy! Okay. Are those ladies' legs CGI? Is that how they did this? The dude is. Shot on a green screen. You can tell, like, when his hair flops down, you can actually mm-hmm. see some green spillage in there. So I don't think the lady's legs are CGI. Well, think, he goes in between them. But they, this is so a bit of a composite job. I think they just yeah. shot the lady's legs, and then separately they shot the dude on a green screen, and then they just composited him in there. Okay. Yeah, I suppose it could happen. Again, with some kind of computer-aided thing, perhaps, to get him yeah, to they go had, between the legs. They had to do some some rotoscoping, probably some frame-by-frame frame yeah. rotoscoping to get those front legs, well, the ones I guess the reason I think the CGI is because the legs do look strange to me. Do they? And maybe it's just partly, like, um, you know, it's just the strangeness of how they've composited it, but they just look so, like uniform and like unreal kind of featureless if you really look at it like if you pause it it's just kind of like there's no texture to them Mm. but it could be you know i'm not gonna say one way or another but that was a thought that i had 
that could be partly how they did this. I, there was mention that the dude was on a skateboard well, for, for next, his part. Yeah, well, the next shot where he is, they're tracking him, like it's from down below, right? Which you only see a couple seconds of it in this minute, and then it extends on to the next minute. Right. That was shot with probably actual ladies and actually him. I mean, at some point, they actually shot him going under ladies because they did the prank right. with all the public hair. You're talking about the shot where we're looking straight down. We're looking straight down. And that could just be like, yeah, he's on a skateboard. Yeah. Sliding down beneath these women. So that's just a straight up shot. It's just this weird shot where he's like floating. You see him from the side. So he's floating. So he's on something. Like you said, they either green screen something out like a green skateboard or he's on wires or something but if he's on wires he couldn't be going underneath these women if they were actually there yeah so it becomes a much trickier they're not together they were not filmed together yeah not to mention that he yeah not to mention that he rotates somehow so again how they did the rotation i don't know well you know what the thing is he is not moving necessarily you know he's just staying still and oh a good point spinning it's just yeah. the, the spin is still a little tricky because his hair falls correctly, you know, because yeah, well, in theory, he could just be standing except for the hair. You know, the hair is obeying yeah. the laws of gravity. Yeah. So, well, and you see his feet aren't touching the ground like you see the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I guess his feet could just be you're right. He could just be standing except for the hair. And the fact that things see like, yeah, the gravity seems right, like his face yeah. and the hair and everything. You can kind of tell. So he could be on some kind of wires, and then they removed the wires. Yeah. I think they had to shrink him down, too, a little bit to make the uh, just the physics of it work right, because was, he was too big to really be going through or something. Like, it didn't, it didn't look right. But you know what's even weirder, Brad, is the shot where, and I get it's not technical in this minute yeah we just miss it but i don't care when you see the close-up of his face and his eyes go mm-hmm. all wide mm-hmm. think about this shot now and what is actually going on with the uh lady's legs it's that same kind of deal where if you right it, right you can't it, it doesn't work so i'm not <laughs> yeah. sure what this looked like but i mean i think those are real feet but it like, had to were be. Were they just mannequin feet? I don't know. Where it didn't connect to anything. I don't know. And, and you know, especially if you look at them, like the legs just look like they're straight up and down. They're not at an angle. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So they are just like, it's just like the leg, like the lamp from Christmas story, right? Just right. they put two on either side, you know, every five feet down the track. Right. And it kind of like, it's like, again, you don't really notice it unless you really like want to pause and rewatch and think about it. And then, it, yeah, it just looks off because they but should now be that you've, angling yeah, yeah, up. It's, yeah, it's just like two completely separate legs. They can't possibly like connect to a single human being <laughs> no. unless they have like an incredibly wide hips. They're like, you know, four feet wide. Yeah, it's once you see it, it's very... Especially as you look at their legs, how they're like, their toes are pointed outwards. It's just wrong. The angles are all wrong. When that close up of his face, the, the, I think the toes are just pointing like straight, you know, they're not pointed outwards. They're pointed. Yeah. They're pointed much more parallel to the, to like the grain of the wood, grain of the wood. Yeah. I mean, they're slightly angled, but if you see the uh, full wide from above, they're almost perpendicular to the grain of the wood. Right. So, yeah, it's a little wacky. I would love to have seen this setup, like what this looked like. Yeah, it would have been freaky. It would have been even freakier than this dream sequence. Like just these like disembodied (laughs) legs just down this track. So and someone rolling on down them with a skateboard on his back. (laughs) (laughs) It could be like a whole new form of bowling. So how about. Maud and her get up. Yeah, so she's dressed like a of some kind of Viking woman? Viking. I want to use the word Valkyrie, even though I'm not sure what that means. I guess it's resembling like uh, what is it like Broomhilda? 
kind of look, I want to say. Hilda? I don't I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Broomhelda. I like the ring cycle. I like the word Valkyrie. If you look up images of Valkyrie, that's that's pretty close. But what's this Broomhilda business? She is um is she some kind of witch? She's I felt like she's like some kind of uh yeah, I guess I shouldn't even get with it here. I thought it was um Brunhilda. Oh, Broom Broomhilda is the comic strip with the witch. Oh. Brunhilda. Brunhilda. Okay. Okay. It Whoa. Is like Holy a uh, shit. That's a hell of a thing to lay on somebody with a head full of acid. Yeah, it is Brunhilda. Like if you look at like the Brunhilda opera shots and images right. again, the the Viking horns and the chest plate and everything. Um, so again, this is the dude's dream, and we see a bronze in the titular Lebowski's mansion. Uh, you know, armor plated of this woman holding a trident when he's talking to Brant and. Actually, I wrote down the time. It's, um, ah, uh, it is, it is, oh, I lost it. The hell is it? But he's talking to Brandt. I think it's when he's giving him the briefcase. Yes. 3205. Maybe just before 3205. Okay. So this is great because at 3136, you can also see the checkered floor in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Another shot of that. And then as they approach the um, whatever this thing is, where he gets the briefcase and the phone out of behind him there next to it, you see this bronzed woman holding a trident. Now, she doesn't have bowling ball brazier armor, but she does have like swirly bronze cups over her breasts. Right. So that's where this yeah, outfit of was, uh, was motivated from. Yeah, I th I would I would say you are correct. Look at that. Yep. I knew I was wondering where that came from. Again, I knew it had to be somewhere. There it is. And there it is. 3151, I guess. Big bronze woman with breastplate holding a trident. You know, and he's and it's right behind Brant, so as the dude and Brant are talking to each other, like that's in the background there for quite some time. So it's entering his his periphery, if you will. I just knew that, you know, they weren't making random decisions in this dream sequence. Mm -hmm. They were going to take things from from other places. That's all I got. That's pretty good, though. I think it's good. I think we we really started to dig in. I think I, I like the bowling ball thrust. I was proud of that one, too, because that is very Jesus-y. Right. No, you're totally, you're totally right. What about the dude's uh, dancing? He is, he's a dancer, Brad. Like his whole, like, he's on those steps shaking his butt back and forth, his hammers swinging right to left. He's snapping his fingers. Yeah, he's twisting his feet around. He's really getting into that. Also, disgustingly, he isn't wearing socks with those bowling shoes again. Well, it's a dream sequence, so... It's just his M.O. He doesn't wear socks. It's the type of socks. thing, yeah. Is there any... So that's a question. Like, is there any point in this movie in which he wears socks? We'd have to do another extensive scrub through, probably. Yeah, I would say... I would say not, just offhand. But I don't but, know if we can be sure. Yeah, but that's also a, uh, that's that. I like that. I I personally, I do not like wearing socks either. Yeah, but with bowling shoes? Oh, no, I would wear them with bowling shoes. So if it's going bowling, it's like, crap, I got to put on socks. Right. And it's kind of a Don't want to put on socks. I usually just like putting on some sandals or some other type of uh, shoe that maybe doesn't require socks. Some type of like loafer situation. Or jellies. Jellies. I wish I had a pair of jellies. <laughs> I might start wearing jellies this summer. But again, the problem is I can't do it except for maybe, you know, five months out of the year. If maybe you're six lucky. if I stretch it. Yeah. So 
I, but I, yeah, I really enjoy the, uh, yeah, the sockless lifestyle. Yeah, I, I did when we lived in Florida, I, I enjoyed some sockless lifestyle, but when you got to shut it down for four or five months out of the year, it's not even worth it. It's too depressing. So I just right. go full sock 365 pretty much. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a special occasion. I'm like, I don't know, going to the pool or I'm at the beach, then I'll wear my sandals. But for the most part, I just put the socks on. I want to tease myself. I used to wear docksiders all the time. They used to be the shit. I could uh, I could see getting back into those. Yeah? You know, they have the white sole, hard plastic sole. Mm-hmm. 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 They seem like a terrible shoe to wear on a dock, though. They seem like they'd be slippery. With all that water, the deck, the poop deck... Next time on Gutterball.